Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ahoy! Welcome to Horror Bites on Save Room, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I'm your captain for this voyage, Neil Bolt, and I am joined by my first mate, Jay Krieger. Hey! In this week's episode, we are off on a luxurious cruise that will, of course, be absolutely worth every penny and not have any ritual sacrifices this time. Uh, we also have to put in a shift for the FBI again. Seems they have someone's holiday footage to review. Let nobody say they aren't getting inventive with their torture methods. These games can be found on Itch.io, and if you play them and enjoy them, we heartily recommend chucking a few doubloons to the developers. I'm not going to stop with this. I, I tell you this much now. Um, you should keep it up. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it's more a warning for the listeners uh, on that one. So, first mate, Jay, before we set sail, would you please detail our first dinky digital delight this week? Sure. So the first game that we're going to chat about this week is the Lancaster Leak Oberon State Park from developer Jeremy Fisher. So the Lancaster Leak is basically going to be the basis for what will be an anthology series of special investigation tapes that an FBI intern has leaked. And they, of course, in typical fashion with people that leak classified information, they have mysteriously gone missing as soon as they leaked it. And in this first tape, it's documenting Oberon State Park, which documents the first first-person footage of an encounter that a subject had with an entity in the 1980s when exploring the park. Um, so this is yet another example of a found footage experience that has the player acting out the events that were on that tape, right? So it's this nice little setup initially where it's kind of like you're looking at slides before you actually end up living out the contents of that VHS tape. There's a nice little touch to this that I think is what kind of distinguishes it from a lot of the other similar setups for these types of experiences that yeah. we've played in that each of these sort of cuts between time when this event is happening have FBI not only warnings periodically that kind of are detailing background information or what's happening, but they also have these little annotations that pop up while the player is you know, going through this experience and those are twofold in that the annotations 
serve as a way to inform the player about their options with how they interact in the world, which is basically like a sneaky way of getting a tutorial in there without saying, you know, use the right mouse button to use a flashlight and this and that, which I'm really appreciative of. It's those little small tweaks that really take an experience that is probably 20 minutes at most and really streamlines it in a way that doesn't feel like there's a lot of wasted time in that very constricted time frame. Um, And I think, again, you know, an aspect of this that separates it is the way in which they play around with time. Granted, we saw this with the previous, you know, UFO-centric found footage game that we played uh, last week. And I think that the passage of time is something from a storytelling perspective that could be really difficult to really nail in Mm. terms of, you know, telling a coherent story, having the right amount of buildup again in that short time frame. And with this, you know, it jumps ahead in time in a way that, you know, not only helps the story from like, oh, okay, this is unnerving. This person is losing chunks of time or us, the viewer, are not seeing everything that goes into this much larger tale, right? But also, I think that it's smart that this game breaks up um, the sort of facets of gameplay, if you will. Yeah, That's not to say you're going to be doing any anything other than walking through the woods and exploring and, you know, having these chance encounters with this entity and the sort of spooky nature of that. But I did like how towards the end of it, there's a section where time jumps and then all of a sudden you're like running through the woods, your player, your character is out of breath and they're panting a lot, which they haven't been doing throughout the experience. And it is a nice way to build up not only the mystery, but sort of just the general intensity of that experience um, in a way that I thought had a very, you know, what's the obvious frame of reference for running around the woods with the video camera, Blair Witch Project. Um, but I found that this channeled that nicely in a way that has a payoff that, you know, for people that maybe wish that the Blair Witch had had a, you know, that big monster payoff at the end of it. Yeah. I would say that this kind of has that payoff that people would want. Um, I suppose I'd say, you know, fans of Blair Witch, fans of found footage, also, people that are into those uh, SCP style storytelling about, you know, looking into this entity and whatnot, uh, this will probably, you know, wet their beak nicely, I would say. Well, How did you find this one? Well, yeah, I mean, and of course, they would be into SCP, given we have a podcast on that very thing on this very network. So yeah, that you are definitely in good company in that regard. Um yeah, so going back to what you were saying, obviously people who love Blair Witch, found footage, etc. Well, I think we've pretty well established that that's definitely in my wheelhouse, if you will. Um, what is a wheelhouse? Is it just like a? I like to think it's like a mill or a windmill or something. But so <laughs> I always say wheelhouse, and I think, what the fuck is it? But afterwards, but. I think of it as like a revolving door of interests almost, but wheelhouse wheelhouse sounds a lot better than my revolving door of (laughs) interest. I don't know. That's a a podcast in itself, surely. (laughs) Welcome to my revolving door of interest. (laughs) This week, my favorite cheeses. And yes. Anyway, yes. um, To the game. It's definitely got everything I like about that sort of found footage in the wood stuff. We've seen it done so many times back with, you know, Slender being the greatest example of, of that. But um, I think that game for when it was made is very simple by modern standards. And even these small experiences can just be so much more. 
than that. And I, I think the setup of this is you know, something we were discussing, I think, last week when we were talking about this and in previous weeks. This whole sort of uh, old footage has been found you know, um, and you, know, you have the warnings and all the annotations and things like that. I like that sort of progression we've got now with found footage games in this mold because it makes them feel like the video game version of what found footage should be. That you know, it's like you know, oh, we found these tapes. Here's the warnings. Blah blah blah. You have, you know, your job is to effectively scrub through these tapes and view them as they are. And um, what the rhyme or reason behind it doesn't really matter. Beyond that, you are just experiencing it. And, you know, it's, here is really good use of it with those cuts and, you know, with those annotations, you know, very cheekily getting very meta with the, you know, the click this button to do this sort of thing and you know, like that. I, I like that. Um, I think when you're dealing with these sort of SCP style things, you want to kind of have an outward wink to the audience um, in what you're doing. And, you know, I think, especially in video game terms, it makes perfect sense to have something like that. I mean, when you think of, like, the ultimate SCP game is, you know, Remedy's Control. And, you know, that's got plenty of stuff like that, you know, where it really sort of turns it out on the player. And, you know, in a sort of microcosm here, you have a tiny bit of that. And it works beautifully for what this game is going for. Now... I think when you do get these bits like the running in the woods, the cuts really work well because of that. You know, it makes this whole you don't get that aimless moon getting lost in the moment and kind of breaking the pacing and breaking the atmosphere, which is you know a guilty trait of many a small indie game when you are trying to sort of pad out the runtime a bit and you know, that's understandable because some will look at it and go, well, this is only 10 minutes long. How do I make it longer? And, you know, that's ultimately the way you, you make it a bit more ambiguous. I like that you're kind of just taking it on face value. that This is a tape you're watching. It has a definitive outcome that you cannot change. And as a result, everything you do within those tapes does kind of funnel you down a path. You know, I think where it is best shown is in that chase sequence where you, you just run and you feel like you're quite free in where you're running to a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's not until you actually come up across a place where you can't really reach and you turn back that that sort of cuts to that last bit. And and that really worked well. And then to sort of go into that ending, I think it's really strong how they show as little as they can using the sort of shadows to um, project what's going on and then just having another sort of further debrief saying, you know, we, we cut this down for the viewer's sake because it was horrible and terrible and all this sort of stuff. And that, I think it was a really smart way around, you know, limitations that would be there naturally. So yeah, it's a really smart use of found footage, you know, limitations of the package and, generally just worked really well for me I, I just was quite taken aback in the end by how effective it was especially in the sound you know i think the yeah. the use of the sound sound design stellar i mean that, that car horn just made me jump yeah it's like that and, it, and you know it was 
not a proper skate. It's not like the car appears in front of you. It's not like that. It's just like off to the side of you, turn around, and it literally is just a fucking car like that. And I love that. That was just, that's the kind of cool jump scare you can have. And then, you know, the sound of whatever is out there in the woods you know, is then really cool. It just, you know, and I mentioned, you know, the podcasts uh, we've got on this network and, you know, the audio work kind of reminds me of the build up to some of the events happen and stuff like getting an episode of Creepy or SCP. And I was like a really cool sort of way to do that. You know, I think sound is really undervalued and I think when you do these small sort of games and when you are working within the kind of limitations that you are in making such a small game with small budget you know not having access to the greatest engines and whatever if you can maximize that sound it's perfect I mean again we go back to last week where you're utilizing old radio shows and adding them to the game and it really just amplified that experience you know two weeks ago chris but yes you know (laughs) (laughs) how quickly time flies yes just we discussed it again last week that's why we were talking about it but still it's really beneficial for this game you know it really does just make it a lot better as an experience to have those little moments and though you are pretty much set on a path throughout it it's you know an enjoyable path you know we we always gone about the whole roller coaster thing you know like that you're on rails and you know what you're expecting but you enjoy it anyway because you you want to see those beats you know you want to feel those moments that you're really familiar with because you want that shock and scare even if it isn't as effective as it once was it still gives you that tiny thrill and you know this is a really great example of that yeah you know i think that for an experience such as this, when you essentially know the outcome, right, of Mm -hmm. the player's fate or of the subject's fate, rather. The fact that a developer such as Jeremy Fisher is able to make you almost momentarily forget just in terms of, you know, how it's presented, the buildup and all these things that when you get to that chase sequence, you more or less know your fate and yet you still experience it as if you have that sort of faint chance of, oh, I could still get out of this. And I think that that is probably the greatest accomplishment that you could say of something that's found footage is not only the setup and the immersive and sort of meta nature of it in that, you know, you're immersing the player in this world, not just from them being in the subject's shoes, but again, of the context of you're watching this tape. So you have, you know, periodic warnings or you have information pop up on the screen that provides more context to this person that's watching the VHS tape and whatnot. And just a smart use of jump scares too, right? I think there's there's two notable jump scares in this. Uh, before the finale, and they both are reflective of the environment that they are occurring within. They Mm. do not abide by the similar sort of like something runs at you and it's just like this kind of vague monster or whatever. In terms of the two that happened before the ending of the game, um, you know, they're just two very natural things and they make sense for why they are occurring in that specific environment. And that's always the best compliment that I can give to stuff like this because it's utilizing that environment to the best of its ability and it's showing that, you know, jump scares can be effective. The, we've talked about that plenty of times, right? The idea that they can be effective. It's just that so many people kind of have this negative look on them because of how they typically are incorporated. But yeah. with something like this, they work and they do a good job of building up the tension and the anticipation for what is ultimately going to be um, more than likely not the best of endings for that subject of the tape itself. But 
yeah, you know, I really enjoyed this and I'm really thrilled to learn that this is going to be basically the basis for an anthology oh, yeah, that's that, going to be that, that was the hook that that was the great yeah. hook about this game is just knowing there's going to be more and i think that's a really great strong idea for a game series and again like that's why i go back to the whole idea about podcasts being influential because that is the format you know you have like a different thing each week and or month whatever in this case with a game and you can keep going and going and going and there's so many different ways of uh tuning that Sure, you lose a little of the freshness at some point, but... If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind... The team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. You know, at this level, you don't really have anyone doing that exactly. Really connecting their games in that very obvious way where it is like, no, this is a series. I'm making a indie short horror game equivalent of a television series, you know, anthology series. And great. Okay. That, that just makes you look at this how strong they started and feel really eager to sort of see where they're going to go with that and I think just one of the things that really just struck me about it I must say is that you know with the whole being upfront with what's going to happen to the character you know part of the appeal then comes in the anticipation and again, it goes back to that whole roller coaster thing. It's like, you know, you're ratcheting up that hill, and you know before you hit the dip, you know it's like you know it's coming, you know it's coming, you want it to come, and that's what you're waiting for. You know, I think anyone who's seasoned in horror has that feeling. You know, where it's like it's not really about the scares per se anymore. It's more about getting that ratcheting feeling of what's going to happen, what's yep. going to happen, what's going to happen, and that's always better. You know, the old. You know, the journey is better than the destination sort of thing uh, absolutely and, it, and it's so true you know with, with that um when you, you know you are pretty much jaded on the end game of whatever horror throws at you but it's always fun it's always fun and this is a great example of it but just doing it so well uh, and yeah I, i'm glad of that i'm really glad that we uh keep getting these small games that do this it's it's truly remarkable if anything but uh yeah so that, that was a good one that one yeah definitely a highlight so with that uh government homework out of the way uh, we're ready to pack our bags and go on that cruise uh, and that will be dead cruise by bushi um in this game you've booked a cheap cruise for a much needed week off but unfortunately the, the uh ship has hit the fan and something sinister is afoot yesterday i went there and <laughs> so yes basically you awaken to this whole sort of text screen of what your character is thinking and saying yeah basically revealing that they're doomed and this is a terrible place to be all of a sudden and you are going around this seemingly empty cruise liner now with strange symbols on the wall and small puzzles to solve and that escalates into something more where there are threats that you have to avoid you know i think 
getting into this very quickly is the story doing what it does where it's a little ambiguous about where it's going you know to begin with really works in its favor um in some ways maybe not necessarily at the beginning when you are trying to like figure out the first door keypad puzzle when you're trying to figure out where the symbols are that because you if you just walk along you'll see maybe four like that and it you think that's it and so you have to sort of wander around a bit and it's not you know we were just saying about how signposting and maybe funneling people into games may does work you know when you do it right and this is maybe a slight example of it being the opposite but once you get past that bit and you kind of understand where the game's going with things like that i think it does really execute its pace well you know you had this unfurling mystery of what's going on on the ship and then the realization of what's going on on the ship and the dangers inherent of that yeah um gameplay wise maybe mechanically it's not always you know you know polished to a fine point but i like where it's going with it you know in terms of very short form version of uh how, you know however many stealth horror games we've had in the past you know it's a simple simplified way of doing it but it works for the most part and yeah there's more to explore here i think if you were to make this into a bigger game and you know the ending almost feels like you know, we, again one of these things we constantly say it's like the endings are pretty much always obvious with these things but you know, you, you kind of know where you're going to go. And it doesn't disappoint, I suppose, in that regard. You know, it's, it kind of takes you down that um, end choice and says, do it this way, do it that way. And what I did like is it has those choices. You know, it's like you, you can just go and take route A or route B. But there are these little side choices like, you know, picking up a weapon and, um, you know, performing certain actions to add to the story in your own personal way that don't seem to add much beyond that but to add sort of personal flavor text to what you're doing it really worked for me so yeah yeah coming off the high of the game we've just covered it it may seem a bit sort of downbeat now to say this you know that we're sort of criticizing this game for not doing some of the same things but you know it's a very different format and i'm a real sucker for games that use like cruise liner sort of environments you know that's why i like resident evil revelations that's why i like uh, uncharted 3 you know that i like any sort of game that's really takes cold that. fear yeah cold <laughs> fear going back as far as that yeah and it works you know i really yeah. like that about it and this taps into that nicely so yeah and you know having it not be straight up what you think it would be i think you know where you think oh okay so being chased by a monster around this point blah 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 it's not that kind of game for the most part and you kind of sort of better off for it probably yeah um, it really is because you know once you get to the point where you realize that is going to become that game you know you already had the swerve and it's fine You, you so you've you know dodged that bullet early on and as you say, it makes the game stronger for it. Um, so, I mean, how did you get on 
with this one. I was really impressed with its ability to blend puzzle solving with a very sort of limited sized environment, right? It's mostly two decks. And the fact that they were able to make that perfect sort of, I suppose, environmental traversal blending with puzzle solving, right? Where it's like, okay, I know that I'm restricted to this deck for the first part of the game. So I really need to scour this environment Mm. for all the clues and tools that you could use. And that sort of domino effect of, okay, I find these symbols, I punch them in, I get to the next area, then I get to find a tool that can then help me with a door that I passed earlier or something like that. And then blending all of that with this story that does a pretty good job, I think, of concealing what it's actually about. And at the same time, that mystery and the narrative don't go in the traditional route that you were probably expecting. And I was actually pretty surprised with the amount of depth that was in this in terms of the narrative, right? So the fact that there's a great deal of flavor text and backstory to what's going on, that's very, very easily missable, but also it's not integral to getting one of the games, I believe it was five endings, which is pretty crazy considering the size of this experience. But um, I found that I was wrapped up in trying to understand what the mystery was that I was scouring each of the, you know, computers or cell phones that you find, trying to find just more information about what was going on. Um, And so I just think for the size of this experience and the fact that it has not only the puzzles, it has the narrative that you really have to, you know, do a little bit of digging to get a good sense of what it's about, but also the different types of puzzle solving, which, you know, it goes from kind of taking these symbols and putting them in the right order for a code. And then there's, you know, pressing these different buttons to then match up different sort of jumbled images until they make one coherent image. And then you have, you know, a variety of find this tool to get past this blockade. Um, And there's even like a brief stealth section in it. Mm. And I think that having a variety of experiences or facets of gameplay within, again, something that's so short, it's only a 15, 20 minute experience Um, But then at at the same time, you know, realizing upon finishing it, oh, there's other endings that I could get just by, you know, going against my gut with the decision that I chose to take at the end of uh, my first playthrough. So, yeah, this was a package that I was impressed in how they sort of sidestepped what you sort of would expect from an experience like this. And it has a layer of depth and it doesn't go the traditional route. Yeah. Um, and I think it's stronger for it. And again, as we always say, you know, this is one of those experiences that I was, I suppose I was fortunate that it had as many endings as it did, but I could see this flourishing. And more importantly, I wanted it to flourish into a larger experience. And, you know, I think that's probably the best compliment you could give a developer is that as soon as you get that game over screen or it's just, you know, the end of the experience, you're like, I could have used another 15, 20 minutes of that. Yeah. And I think that that's... Like I said, probably the best compliment I could give this is that I just wanted more of it. Um, and to do that in such a short amount of time with the restrictions that we know that these horror bites typically have, uh, yeah, Dead Cruise was definitely, definitely something that uh, I was impressed by. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, when we talk about that as, you know, trying to compact what a bigger game would be into a smaller package, you know, some of the bits bulge out the sides a bit, you know, compared and some don't quite fill the package. Um, but here, everything did just kind of fit, you know, it's like for what they were doing, it's like a taster set of different ideas that, you know, of what the big picture would be you know, if you were to have a bigger version of this game, but scaled down to a way that feels right at this level, which is, you know, 
frankly amazing because, it, like I said, it is a very difficult thing to get right. You know, so yeah. it doesn't feel rushed. No, you know, no, it like doesn't. that's the type of thing you could very much picture this being the type of experience that was longer, but then they had to trim it down. And you know, sometimes when that sort of uh, trimming or I suppose self-editing to meet certain standards or size or whatnot, you kind of feel like, oh, well, there's clearly something missing here. There's clearly, you can start to see the frayed edges from where they were clipping things from it. But I didn't feel that, at least, at least I didn't feel that way with uh, Dead Cruise. Yeah, like I said, it just, every single point just feels like it's been pruned at the right point, you know, just to make it work for this level. But at the same time, given the right love and attention, it could grow on every branch to be this thing that is bigger and better and that's the best sort of way you can do these games i think where if you have something that works on every level possible you know um when big games do vertical slices that's the idea is you're trying to show everything about your game in a small chunk that's representative of what you want to do even if it isn't exactly what the game will be and maybe that's where some people come into these games and we've experienced that maybe. But um, it's always fascinating to see someone really pull that off and really just get everything down to a T. And where you could, I think it's true of both games we, we've got this week. Um, that both, both cases, you could see the bigger picture being out there and where you could make it last longer, and, you know, with the previous game we had this thing where it makes more sense that it is just a chunk of what will be a bigger bigger experience and you could take it in that direction where you just, just dole it out in chunks and make a cohesive whole as a result whereas here is just you know standalone but could be bigger you know and again just a testament to the way things can work out in this space where even the simplest experimentation can give you wildly different results. So, yes, both games, unsurprisingly, fantastic again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the nice thing about, you know, doing this weekly now is that we get to be a little more discerning, I suppose, in what we're picking. Not that it's to say like, oh, well, at the end of some experiences, we're going to love everything. But picking one thing, bringing it to the table every week, I think allows us to hone our uh, selective you know, uh, prospects a little bit nicer uh, or a little more thoroughly, I suppose, um, which ends up you know, with uh, experiences that we have been seemingly as of late uh, been much more positive on. At the same time, it's just nice not to uh, you know, necessarily take down a uh, project of peg that is more than likely a solo person behind it and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I've really enjoyed sort of just bringing one thing to the table every week and more often than not, it's, uh, very much in line with our interests. Exactly. That's always the best thing about it. Um, but that is this, that's it for this week. You know, um, you're probably thinking hopefully not with a nautical theme next time. Um, <laughs> you, know, you never know. I might find something worse to be fair. So. <laughs> but, uh, but in the meantime, if you're a developer of an indie horror game, demo concept or game jam entry, we'd love to hear from you. So you can drop us a DM at safer in pod on Twitter or at safer in pod, at safer in pod. Fucking hell, get my social media and emails mixed up there. Or at safer in pod at gmail.com for email. If you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed on the show. 
or you can simply head to the DMs of Horrorbytes underscore SR on Twitter if you'd like to be promoted there in any other fashion. Um, Jay, it has been a pleasure cruising with you once again. Uh, we're heading back to shore and we will see you on the mainland with another bounty of short form horror treasures next week. <laughs>